Wow. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Julian, for that intro. Come on, Oasis eFam. Give it up for Pastor Julian in the chat. Yeah. Man, your amazing lead pastors, Pastor Julian and Pastor Christina, they are awesome. You guys have definitely paved the way for so many. You know, yeah. and also while we're at it, give it up for Pastor Philip and Pastor Holly, right. who started this yep. church years ago yep. and who've paved that way. And then the uh, the mantle has just been picked up by you guys. And so I just want to give honor because I really, you talk about my love for the word, but when I came to Oasis, I had a love only for the word. Wow. And it was your example of loving people that gave me a love for people combined with my love for the world. Wow. And so I just want to encourage you guys, man, pray for your pastors. Yeah. Pray for those, everyone in your life that's in authority, because the Bible says, I got to give you this little nugget. You need this. You need this. Because the Bible says in Timothy to pray for all those who are in authority, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Those two words is quiet, that's outside. Peaceable, that's inside. So when you pray for your leaders, when you pray for your husband, when you pray for your boss, when you pray for your pastor, God is working on both the outside of your life and the inside of your life. But guess what he tends to work on first? The inside. Because if you have peace inside, you don't need it to be quiet outside. So I'm going to stop right there. I'm already getting preaching, but... Pray for your pastors. So, uh, man, I've been here at Oasis now for seven years. Yes, I met my wife here at Oasis. Pastor Julian talked about my amazing wife. She is amazing. Man, and if you've seen my wife, she's fine. (laughs) But, yes, I did marry up. I did marry up. God is good. He's good all the time. But uh, a little story, you know, like I said, I met my wife here, and I knew when I first met my wife, I knew that that was my wife. Now, I'm not going to give you the whole story, but I got to give you this little nugget. I got to give you this little, little piece. Because the first conversation that I had with my wife, she mentioned listening to Oasis messages while doing fasted cardio. I said, did you just speak meathead to me? You're doing fasted cardio in listening to the word of God. That's it. That's my wife. And so we have uh, just, our lives have been so transformed by this church. You know, we've been married now. We're going on our seventh year. We got two amazing children, Carissa Grace, Justin Truth. Yes, Jesus came full of grace and truth, and so is my family. So I'm just so grateful for all of your sacrifice. And so we're talking about ghosted. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. I am super, super excited. You know, when I first heard about this, uh, this series coming up, of course I was excited. But then, if I'm really honest, I went through some mixed emotions. So can I take you on the journey that I went on when hearing about the Ghosted series? Now, of course, I said when I first heard, I was excited. Because if you know me, then you know I could talk about the Holy Ghost. I could talk about the Holy Spirit. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, actually, there's two things that I love talking about. There's two things that if you talk about them, you got my attention. You've got my curiosity peaked. And one of them is the Holy Spirit, and another one is sushi. I'm just going to be honest. Another one is sushi. If you're talking about sushi, I'm going to jump up in the conversation. I'm going to find out where we're going, and I'm going to find out 
who's paying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, I'm not saying I love talking about sushi more than I love talking about the Holy Ghost, because that's not true. But when I was going on this emotional roller coaster, the next thing I felt was nostalgia. Because when I was going, you know, I wasn't raised in church. We went to church for a period of time when I was young, and we went to all black church. And my mom and me were the only white people up in church. Now, you wouldn't know just by looking at the color of my skin, but my mom was white and my daddy was black. Yes, if you don't believe me, just look at the screen. That is my family. That's me, my sister, my mom, and my dad. Now, as you can see, my sister, she's what I should have looked like. But God had another plan. God was up to something. And so when I first heard about this, I started thinking about, man, back in the church, they would always be talking about the Holy Ghost. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit till later on in my life. Now, I could tell you a lot of stories about that time there in that church, but I want to keep moving on this journey because the next thing I felt was led. I felt led to look up the definition of ghosted. Now, so I went to the dictionary. Now, don't go to the Webster's Dictionary because it is not going to be there. I went to the Urban Dictionary. I went to the Urban Dictionary to find the definition of ghosted. So the definition of a ghost is, is when a person cuts off all communication with their friends or the person they're dating. Now, let me, let me just back up here. Let me just back up here. This is where I felt triggered. So first I felt led, then I felt triggered because I started reading about the definition of ghosted and I started thinking about all the people who've ghosted me. And now I know you wouldn't think just by looking at a handsome brother like myself that I've ever been ghosted, but I've been ghosted many a times. And so when I got to that place, you know, the person that they're dating, I was like, that happened to me. But actually, we weren't really dating. I was actually just crushing and... So was that really, oh, not, it's too much, too, TMI, TMI. But let me just keep going. With zero warning or notice beforehand, they're mostly seen avoiding friends' phone calls, social media requests, and even avoiding them in public. And then that leads me to the next emotion. I felt convicted. I started to realize, oh my goodness, I've actually ghosted some people in my life, not because I really intended to, but maybe because I didn't know how to deal with the conflict that was in the relationship, and wow. I felt convicted. Maybe you're feeling convicted right now, but I want to encourage you because the last emotion that I felt was comfort. The last emotion that I felt was comfort, which brings me to the title of my message, Comfort Food. So we're going to talk about comfort food today. And now, also, if you can look at me, you know I'm no stranger to comfort food. I tell people that I'm an emotional eater, that when I'm sad, I eat. When I'm happy, I eat. You name an emotion that I can put food to it. <laughs> this, this has been this way my whole life. I've just always been a big eater, and that led to being a big boy. And my mom used to tell me I was big boned, and I found out later on in life, Mom, you lied because this isn't bone. <laughs> and that led to being bullied. And... I didn't realize that even as a young kid, when I went through trauma in my life, I would turn to food to be my comfort. 
I would turn to that food to be my comfort because like I said, the trauma in my life that came even as a young boy, because I'm no stranger to trauma, I'm no stranger to pain, because that picture that I just showed you of my family, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I lost my dad when I was seven years old. I lost my sister when I was 16 years old. And then just this year, uh, months ago, I lost my mom. So I'm no stranger to pain. I'm no stranger to trauma. And I'm no stranger to needing comfort. And I didn't realize that throughout my whole life, I used food whenever that pain came. I used food to receive that comfort. I didn't realize that food had become my comforter and that even going through a divorce in my early 20s was, was such a traumatic experience. And I remember that period. I remember actually even the switch when I said, you know what, this is how I'm gonna deal with this. So when the pain came, the buffet came as well. And it still followed me the rest of my life because if I'm honest, last year in the pandemic, I gained 50 pounds. And so I'd said all that to say is that I'm no stranger to pain. I'm no stranger to trauma. I'm no stranger to loss. And I've dealt with this through making food my comfort. But we're going to talk about today the comforter. So let me pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into this message because we're about to jump up in the Word of God. Father, you're so amazing. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this studio. We invite you into wherever they're listening right now. You may be in your car. You may be at home. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself. You are the comforter. And so we just invite you to come. Have your way. Reveal yourself to us in this place today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So, like I said, we're going to get to the good stuff because if you didn't know, if you didn't know, the word of God is the good stuff. But I got to give you another little nugget. I got to give you another little, you know, glimpse into my journey because when I first gave my life to the Lord, 21 years uh, of age, playing football at, you know, uh, a college, and I gave my life to the Lord, and I was what you would say, I would call it, I was a dumb jock, but let me clean that up. I was an unintelligent, you know, jock, and all I cared about was getting women and playing football. And I wasn't really good at either one of those. <laughs> so, you know, when I gave my life to the Lord, uh, I remember being in a Bible study and my college pastor was talking about him not really liking reading. And he knew that reading the word of God was important. So he just asked God to give him a love for his word. So I said, hey, I don't like reading either. So I began to ask God, to give me a love for his word, and he did. And I begin to ask God, and I still ask him today to give me a love for his word, because let me let you know that when you ask, you first ask to receive, and you keep asking so that now you remember where it came from. So I just gotta give you that little nugget, because that 
is the gift that keeps on giving. So I, 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 I want to encourage you. Begin to ask God to give you a love for his word. So speaking of his word, let's jump on in to this message. Uh, I'm going to start in, in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18 in the New King James. Now, that's the version I'm just comfortable with, so we're going to go with that. But uh, we're going to go along, and I'm going to share the, the scripture, and then we're going to kind of break it, break it down and uh, give you some, some really powerful truths. So John 14, verse 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Let's say that again. He, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'm gonna keep going. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So let's just back up. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, I'm going to pray to the Father and he's going to give you another helper. This word right here, Jesus is letting his disciples know there's about to be a change. There's about to be an exchange and you need to know what's coming because there's about to come another helper. That word another means another of the same kind. So Jesus is telling his disciples, there's about to be a change. There's about to be an exchange. I'm sending another helper. I know you've been looking to me. I know you've been walking with me. I know when you have questions, you come to me. I know I am the one that you turn to when you need help, but there's coming another helper. There's coming the parakletos. This word parakletos is the one who's called to your aid the one who comes alongside to bring comfort, to bring counsel, to bring everything you need. Mm. He is the parakletos. He is the comforter. He is the helper. And so, and the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't know him because it can't see him. Now, the Bible says faith that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of which is not seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. And if we're not careful, we'll miss out on this relationship with the Holy Spirit because we can't see him. If we're not careful, we'll act like there wasn't a change, there wasn't an exchange, and we keep asking the Father for help, we keep asking Jesus for help, and the Holy Spirit's right here saying, that's what I'm here for. Because right now, the Father's in heaven. Jesus ain't here. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is here. And Jesus said, he said, right here, let me, let me just, he, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows him nor, nor sees him nor knows him, but you know him. It's funny Jesus is telling the disciples, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Hold on. The Holy Spirit haven't, hasn't been given yet. So why is Jesus telling his disciples, you know him? Because he's saying, you know him because he's been with me. And you know me and he's dwelled with you because he's been dwelling with me. And now he's about to dwell in you. Wow. So Jesus is saying there's about to be a change. There's about to be an exchange and you don't want to miss it. Man. 
Which brings me to my next scripture. Or actually, let me back up before I get, I'm getting, getting ahead of myself. And then Jesus says to him, I will not leave you orphans. I will come again. He's talking about his second coming, but he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you fatherless because there's going to come a one who's going to be the father. He's going to be a father to you. You know, Jesus actually referred to his disciples as children. And uh, I believe it's John chapter 20. Now, I will quote a lot of scripture, but I'm horrible at references. So if I miss that references, have mercy. <laughs> and so, but he called to his disciples and he asked them when they were fishing. He said, children, have you caught any fish? And so Jesus was saying that, hey, I've even been like a father to you because I've represented the father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I've been a father type to you. But there's coming another one. There's coming another comforter, another counselor. Another one that's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. And I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And so Jesus, which brings me to my next uh, scripture in uh, John. Oh, let, me hear, let me get my notes here. John 16, verse 1 through 7. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. So this is a couple chapters later. And Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering God service. And these things they will do to you because you have not, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Let me say it again. It is to your advantage that I go away, that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Oh, my goodness. There is so much good stuff in this scripture. So we're just going to kind of go through it, break it down, because I really believe this is a word for a lot of us here. So Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, these things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Jesus is saying, hey, don't trip. I've told you these things and I'm telling you these things beforehand so that you don't stumble. This word right here means to it means to be ensnared. It means to be offended. It literally means to be trapped. So Jesus is saying, hey, there's about to be a change. There's about to be an exchange, and I don't want you to be ensnared. I don't want you to be trapped. I don't want you to be offended. Because if I'm honest, we really struggle with change, don't we? And sometimes we struggle with change because we had a good thing going. The disciples had a good thing going with Jesus. Right. They're like, hey, Jesus, you're the best thing since sliced bread. We're good. Let's just establish the kingdom. You don't need to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But Jesus continued to tell them, hey, there's about to be a change. There's about to be an exchange, and it's to your advantage that I go away. Mm -hmm. So he's telling them, don't be offended, because always in the change, always in the exchange, there's a temptation to get offended, because comfort and comfortable, comfortable, are not the same thing. Ooh, and he is the comforter who's always leading you to comfort, 
But he's not always leading to you to what is comfortable. Amen. And the disciples right now, he's telling them, hey, it's about to go down. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. They're going to even kill you. And they're going to think they're doing a service to God. But the reason they're doing it, and this is so key. This is so key for some of you right now. The reason they're doing it is because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. So don't be offended by them. Because when you suffer persecution, don't be offended by them because that's the snare. That's the trap. That's what the adversary is wanting you to do. And so Jesus is saying, I'm telling you so you don't stumble because it's about to go down. And also, I'm about to go away. I'm about to go away. You're about to have the biggest test of your life. And I'm not going to be there. You're about to go through some really hard things. And I'm not going to be there. But there was a change. There was an exchange. And the comforter is coming. And I tell you the truth. So right here, Jesus, is, Jesus says to them, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Have you ever used that phrase with somebody? Why do you use that phrase? Hey, I'm telling you the truth. Why? Because you know what you're about to tell them is going to be hard for them to believe. You know what you're about to tell them, they're probably going to reject at first. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage. I know you've been comfortable with me, and I know you, you like the thing that we got going on, but it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't, then the comforter won't come. Wow. The one that comes alongside won't come. Now, I know you liked having me there but it's really to your advantage, and you need to know this so that you don't get tripped up. That's great. How many of us are grieving right now what went away? How many of us right now are grieving the good thing that we lost? And now, I'm not here to tell you that your loss is is nothing. I'm not here to minimize your pain or minimize your loss, but I'm just here to tell you that in your loss, your loss compared to the comfort that the comforter brings, compared to the relationship that can come with that comforter, compared to that loss, they're just not on the same level. Because the reality is, loss is a part of life. I know this all too well. But it's that comforter. It's that opportunity. Because a lot of the times, the Holy Spirit can't come because of what we find our comfort in right now. The Holy Spirit can't come as long as you're being comforted by this. He can't give you his comfort as long as you're receiving that comfort from something else. And so sometimes it's a, bad, sometimes it's a good thing that goes away and we get offended because we were finding our comfort in that. And it was a good thing, but Jesus is saying, hey, I was a good thing and it's good that I went away because now you're gonna experience true comfort. Which brings me to my next scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He's not the God of comfort, he's the God of all comfort. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes 
True comfort is having to compete with all these counterfeit comforts. So I didn't realize that throughout my life in dealing with that trauma, I always turned to food and I made food my comforter. And as long as I was making food my comforter, he couldn't be my comfort. And that I didn't even realize it until recently. And so that when I deal with that pressure, when I deal with that pain, and I think about turning to that old comfort, I can stop and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to come. Because the reality is, there's a, there's a healing that needs to play, take place. And counterfeit comfort will never heal what's broken. So like it says in Romans 8, 15 through 16, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'm going to read that part again. We didn't receive the spirit, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we receive the spirit of adoption. Do you know you've been adopted? That you've been adopted into God's family. We've received the spirit of adoption. By whom? So by the Holy Spirit, we receive the spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now you got to understand what Paul is saying here when he says, Abba, Father, because he's not saying Father. He's saying, by the spirit of God, we cry, Daddy, Father, because that term right there, Abba, is a term of endearment as a child would say about their father. And so it reminds me of, you know, Carissa, uh, my daughter growing up. And then she for a period of time, she started calling me dad. And I even got offended. I was like, dad, I'm not dad. You better call me daddy. Like, I don't Hey, don't 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 grow up too fast. And so what God is saying, and man, this is for someone out there. You know him as Father, but it's the Holy Spirit that cries out, Daddy. Mm, it's the Holy Spirit that makes that real to you. Yeah. And when he makes it real to you, it's actually the Holy Spirit that cries out, Daddy. Because that's the answer to all of the pain. The answer to all of the pain is that we are children of God, which brings me to my last scripture, and I'm about to land this plane. You know, Romans 5, uh, verse 1 through 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just stop right there. I got to stop right there. Therefore, having been justified, we've been made right with God. We've been brought back into connection with our Father, not just our Father, but our Daddy, We've been brought back into connection through Christ Jesus with our daddy. Therefore, we have peace with our daddy. We have peace with God. And sometimes we want peace in our finances. Sometimes we want peace in our relationships. Sometimes we want peace in all of these other things. And we're, 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 we're crying out because we don't have peace there. And he's saying, but you have peace with me. And when you realize that Actually, it takes the peace going away and all of these other things in order for you to tap into the peace with him. Because if you have peace with him, it doesn't matter the lack of peace that's around you. And so he's saying, therefore, having justified, we have peace with God 
through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Don't we struggle with that? Don't we struggle with... When's the last time you gloried in a tribulation? Now, I'm going to give you a key here. I'm going to give you a key here because Paul is actually laying a path. He's saying... Not only that, but we glory in tribulations because we know that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope. Now. Notice what Paul is saying. Now, hope does not disappoint. And I was thinking about this as I was reading it. And I want to I present this to you. If there's a hope that doesn't disappoint, then there's also a hope that does disappoint. And I know some of us out there right now, we're remembering all of the times where we did have hope. That word hope is the confident expectation. And we had a confident expectation that God would do something. So we had a hope, but it led to disappointment. We had a hope that they wouldn't go. We had a hope that they would stay. We had a hope that they would be healed. We had a hope that they would live. And when it didn't happen, it, was, it led to that disappointment. And now that's real, but the hope that does not disappoint is real also. Because what Paul is saying here, now the hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God, yes. the love of daddy has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because the revelation of God, not just being your father, but the revelation of God being your daddy is not something that you can comprehend with your natural mind. It is spiritually revealed by the Holy Spirit. It is he who cries out, Daddy. It is he who bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So no matter what's happening, no matter who went away, when you know he's your daddy and he loves you and he's going to take care of you, that's the comfort that you need. And this is a comfort that comes to your heart, not your head. Because he says he's poured out the love of God in your hearts, not your head. And so I want to encourage you with this as I, as I end this, this message. The key to receiving the comfort that the Holy Spirit has is really simple. It's just asking. He's made it so very simple. The Bible says he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so I believe that there's some of you out, out there today that are listening to this message. And you may have gone through several different emotions during this message. And you may be thinking right now, I need, I need that comfort. I need that comfort because honestly, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I'm disappointed. And you need to feel that love. You need to experience the love of the Father that cries out, Daddy, you love me. You're going to take care of me. So I want to pray for you. And I want to uh, just ask that the Holy Spirit would come. And it's really simple that you just ask the Holy Spirit. You just invite him. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's really simple. It's Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, fill me, fill me right now. And now we're gonna have a time of worship. And so I believe that as you pray that prayer and as you give that invitation, and then as you begin to worship, that the Holy Spirit's gonna touch you right where you're at. And you're gonna begin, it's just gonna begin this journey because it's a journey. It's not gonna happen all at once. It's a journey that we're just initiating right now because he loves you so much. Thank you.